friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process Podcast. We've been married 15 years, 14 good ones, and have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was four and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and corporate training team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day. And we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Hey friends, thanks for being here. Uh, we're on our next season is starting today with a fun interview. We have our friend Dan here. And Dan, you have played collegiate sports, you own multiple businesses, you do business coaching. Why don't you give us a little introduction to who you are and what you love? Married, looks like. I am married, kids. yeah. <laughs> yeah Three kids, sure. right? <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I grew up in the Spokane area, um, played sports my whole life, went to college for football, ended up kind of finding a passion there for exercise, helping people get in better shape, build more confidence, all that kind of stuff. Uh, came out of school to the Seattle area, right out of college, started working at Pro Sports Club here, um, Microsoft-based gym, worked with a lot of Microsoft clientele. Um, and then from there, I ended up actually getting fired from my first training job at Pro Sports Club, kind of some circumstances that were a little out of my control. Um, but it ended up honestly being the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I think if I never got fired from there, I probably would have stayed there. I was comfortable enough. Um, always knew I wanted to do something else, but never really had that kind of movement to get outside of there and explore what else would be possible until I was fired and I had to make that decision on my own and figure it out. Uh, and so at the time it was a rough decision, but like I said, it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. It kind of catapulted me forward to seek out business mentors, other guys just that were doing stuff in the, the realm of owning businesses and kind of opened my eyes to that whole world and, um, realized it's something I could possibly be able to do and. Here we are three businesses later and, and uh, I'm loving what I'm doing every day. So That's so awesome. John calls that the chip. That's right. The chip, yeah. If, we, if, <laughs> I, if I ever start a second podcast, it's going to be called The Chip. And, you know, it's we had a Navy SEAL on here last season who um, said the commonality of all Navy SEALs that get through and don't ring the bell is in the dark spots in the night, you know, Coronado Island when it's freezing and it's raining and they, they, they just are at the end of themselves. They go to a place where they got through something difficult and, and they all have the chip. And it's not that, you know, you just described it. I had to find a way through versus I just had this dream and this vision and, and I, you know, and I went and did it. And so often people, they're like, oh, you must have just had a dream and a vision and then just went and did it. And so often it's like, no, no, no. Getting fired from this job is my greatest gratitude. The relationship that failed is my greatest gratitude. The business that failed might be my greatest gratitude. The loss propels you to this possibility, right? Yeah, 100%. I had no ambitions, no dreams of owning my own business really until, you know, I'm, I'm 37 now, really until I was about 28, 29, 30. Yeah, just never even thought about it. And then just everything kind of catapulted after that, like you said, that that moment, I mean, there's far worse things in life than being fired from a job, but it is one of those moments that kind of defines you that you have to be able to grow past and get past and, and spark change, and that's exactly what it did for me. What happened? I mean, give it a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so I do, it's funny because I do a lot of uh, travel, I'm lucky enough to do a lot of like traveling and speaking and stuff now, and I always share that story, um, and sometimes I share 
how it happens. Sometimes I don't. And whenever I don't, I always get questions at the end. Like, okay, you got to tell the story of how you got fired. Like, how could you not tell such a thing? So I'll share it real quick. Um, I, yeah, I've been there for like six years. I was one of the top grossing trainers, like always did really well as far as numbers and stuff. Had this guy who was an intern at Microsoft who had um, only been working there for a couple months. And we had these like happy hour package things where people could train between 2 and 4 p.m. And it was cheaper. And we got commissioned a little bit less as a coach at that point for that. But there's a younger guy. I wanted to help him out. I liked him. So I let him do that. And those were six sessions at a time. And then they would expire by the next package, like old school you know, training packages and stuff. And so what would happen is he would get uh, to the end of that six session package and then I would go to check him in later in that day after the session, realize that he didn't have any left and he had to buy a new one. So he would buy a new one next time he came in. And then the next time he came in, we'd just check through two sessions since the other one didn't get checked in from before. So this happened for, I don't know, like six, eight months, no big deal. I think what happened potentially is he ran into some money issues or something like that or was getting let go of his internship. And uh, he decided to go directly to RGM and say that I had been like double charging him for all these sessions because it showed two on one day being checked in but all it was was it happened from the session before because he ran out of the package or whatever so where I messed up for sure was we had these notes we were supposed to be taking about like every session and stuff like that and nobody really like took them too seriously we were all like 20 21 22 like we don't need to take all these notes every session whatever and so they he went into the GM and I didn't have it documented in my notes that it was that situation where it checked in two sessions today and so I think they were trying to kind of make an example of it a little bit. And they like fired me on the spot for it. But what was interesting was that my two other bosses who are managers, like they were just at my wedding and I just got married, all this stuff. <laughs> so they're like, dude, we know you wouldn't do this. So like go through the info, show us how it matches up and stuff. So I did that. I was able to show them like everything matched up, go back in there the next day. They're like, okay, you're rehired. So they fired me, rehired me. And then I get called in at the end of the day, the next day. And the GM guy who's kind of known to be, you know, a little bit of a dick and kind of try to make example of people uh, says, I talked to the client. He's still saying the same thing. So we're going to let you go. So I got fired, rehired <laughs> and then fired again, all within a 24 hour period. And they, like I said, we had, I've just closed down our house like a couple weeks before that and stuff. So I've always been like a super confident guy, but I'm not going to like mess with my confidence a little bit and just like, how am I going to provide for you know my wife, my family and stuff. And, um, you know, but once the dust settled, like I said, it ended up being the biggest blessing in disguise ever. I still have a couple buddies that work there and it's nothing against them, but you can just tell when I meet up and like, they don't want to be there. They're not happy with what they're doing. They don't have a purpose for what they're doing. What year is that? That was, uh, 2012. Um, cause we opened up our first cutting edge location in 2014, 15, 2015. Mm. So we're about eight years in. That's awesome. Um, that's so awesome. yeah, long story short, that's, that's what happened. And, uh, yeah, Adrian, <laughs> Adrian remember, we were dating, remember? Similar story. Yeah. You know, I got I got let go on the spot. Uh, I was I was going to resign, but I put in on notice at yeah. this insurance company, and I won't name, name the insurance company, but we've never, ever in 15 years not written a client that came from that company that I've ever seen. So, I mean, talk about the chip, right? Yeah. And Adrian yeah. and I were dating since 2003, and, uh, and I was going to go to law school. I got into law school. And my mother suffered my whole life from mental illness. Always wanted to be a great advocate for mom and family and friends. Mm -hmm. Wanted to learn to think like a lawyer. Never really wanted to be a lawyer long run. Never took the bar. But started the insurance business six weeks after law school on the back of this chip. From this, And I would have gone back to the company. Like they loved it. You know, same thing. Was, was, was getting after it. Didn't know what I didn't know. But yeah, he, he fires me on the spot. Basically says, pack your box. Adrian comes in, helps me pack it. 
sit with the guy, give him the best of my 24-year-old life, mm-hmm. you know, and tell him what I think about his decision and his, and his, <laughs> and his thinking. And, and, uh, and, uh, and then I call the and district guy. And then some. Basically, I said, I said it this way. I said, so you got two boys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get home, look at your boys and think to yourself, Daddy is a dream killer. Like, <laughs> oh, I hope for your sake and theirs, <laughs> you get that fixed. You know, because someday somebody's going to come into my office with a dream. I'm not going to kill their dream. I'm going to run with it. Yeah. He goes, that's easy for you to say. I go, it's going to be even easier for me to do. And I walked out. And that's the last time I talked to him. He was let go a few years later from his role. Um, goes around, comes around. But so then they, the next day I go, I think I got no job. Monday morning comes. I was training two agents. They call me. They said, we've reconsidered. You can finish out the three weeks notice you gave before going to law school. So somebody had a reconsideration, but it was kind of like what you were with. All these people knew me. The guy who helped me get the job, I'd known since second grade. So we, we founded a company that competes against them till this day. Yeah. So yeah, that's deal. the chip. Yeah, yeah I the, love G- that. the GM that fired me got same deal. I got let go about six months later. So. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> very, very similar advantages. That's good stuff. Yeah, that that's awesome. And so, cutting edge. Tell us about cutting edge. Tell yeah, us. it originally. Um, uh, we I had some really. I've been very fortunate in my life that I've had some very good just mentors and business coaches and stuff like that, and that kind of evolved in the process of of wanting to open up my own space and them giving me the confidence to be like, this is something you absolutely should be doing. Um, but it started actually with me and my brother. So my brother was actually at the gym that I was at that I got fired at. And he still worked there for another year or two later as we planned our exit strategy to get him out of there and us to open up our own gym. Uh, So we did that. We opened up our own gym, uh, the two of us. And then, you know, I think to our credit, two two to three years in, we realized that it's just really hard owning something 50-50. It's really hard figuring, like financially, but also, um, you know, who's in charge of what, who, like you guys are obviously great with the process systems, operations stuff. We were kind of lost at that point of that because we didn't have control over who was doing what. We kind of were going our separate ways as far as that goes, causing a lot of arguments and stuff like that. But to our credit, we realized that early on, and uh, he was actually able to take another job totally outside the um, industry, and I took over all the day-to-day, you know, kind of 100% operations of the gym mm. about two and a half years in. Um, and after that, our relationship's been like the best it's ever been. So it was great that we decided that early on. Um, but originally it was the two of us. I took over majority control about two and a half, three years in, uh, in between opening our two locations here. Um, I knew that I eventually wanted to help, you know, other gym owners, other business owners do some consulting stuff like that. Um, and so I opened up a gym in Montana with a business partner to just test our systems and operations and stuff in a totally different area. You know, obviously Seattle, very affluent area. Butte, Montana, 35,000 people, not super affluent. Uh, Yeah. Not super affluent. Not like when you see Yellowstone, you know, or anything like that. But Same name. (laughs) uh, Different name, Kinetic Fitness. So I I took 20% ownership of it. It was actually a guy I played football with in college. Um, He was burnt out of engineering and wanted to get in the fitness industry, saw that we were what we were doing over here, um, asked if I wanted to be part of it, kind of talked to my business coaches, figured out the best setup for it, yep. um, took 20% ownership of it, and really just tested all of our systems and opening a gym over there in a totally different location and seeing if it would work, and luckily it worked out really well, and um, that allowed us to then open up the second location here, and we were already kind of way ahead of the game since we had tested all that stuff, and, and, uh, mm. and yeah. That's awesome. So, Kinetic Fitness in Montana, then yep. you're located where here? 
Uh, we have Washington. locations in Redmond and Issaquah here. Got it. Yep. And and what is a typical? I mean, you know, what I love is the mindset side, and the, the like. What is it though that caused you? Like, who were the mentors? Like, who was the people in your life that made you want to then pay it forward? Like, you wanting to consult and help people, help small business owners. Obviously, the first three years, the arguments, the difficulties day to day, the operations, all those learnings. I mean, that's what I say. We screwed everything up for like a good five years. Like we we have screwed everything up in every way. Like that's how you get good, though, right? That's how you learn these lessons, and then you get you get to take a flyer with Montana, where you can take kind of a low. I mean, at twenty percent, it's it's a lower risk to to test and try and see how your systems operate against that particular market, and then open the second gym here. But like, who was that for you? Um, yeah, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of business mentors, mostly in the fitness business realm. There's a guy, Thomas Plummer, who's very well known in the um, fitness business industry. He's kind of the mentor for a lot of the guys who are doing really well in the fitness industry. And I think what changed for me is he just, he saw something in me and thought that I could be really good at at doing, you know, leadership, gym owning, stuff like that. And I think once I saw that he had my back and he had confidence in me, that gave me all the confidence in the world to try this and just yep. jump all in and do it and then now he helped me a lot through that process and, and I saw how much that expedited my growth process and being able to learn and, and accelerate and grow and so I took that and now that's what I really enjoy doing is helping other business owners other trainers move from trainer to gym owner or even gym owner to more successful gym owner pretty more location stuff and um, just paying it forward exactly how he did yeah. it with me and then now I'm able to do that with other uh, other other people in the industry, which is awesome. So our listeners are going to go, I need a Thomas Plumber. Like, how, <laughs> yeah. where did, how did you, they're going to go, that's awesome. Good for you, Dan. Met a guy. <laughs> yeah, showed met a guy. Me how to yeah, win, yeah, yeah. Showed me how to win. <laughs> now I won and I'm going to go show others how to win. But, which is truly, that's the blueprint for success, right? Yeah. How'd you meet him? Easier said than that. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, I think one thing that I am very fortunate with growing up in Spokane, something I didn't share is, um, my dad was a TV news anchor in Spokane. So he was, uh, with the NBC station there for 30 plus years. It was really cool, obviously, having him that job, but it was also a little weird at times because like, people recognize him in the grocery store. Is he still over uh, He just retired like a couple months ago. People know him though? Yeah, people know him pretty well over in the Spokane area. We're going to the Kalispell uh, Country Club next oh, yeah, though, yeah. Love the process. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we might need yeah, to get yeah, Pops yeah, to come and do a cameo. Yeah, yeah, you could. That's yeah, awesome. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, one thing I saw with him just being in a smaller community is he was so good at building relationships and connecting with people and just being, I mean, it was authentic, but it was also, that's how he was able to move up in his industry and stuff too, just knowing the right people. And he's, he's always preached to me. It's not what you know, too, you know, and I'm a big believer in that. Um, I think there's a, a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me doing what I do, but I've met the right people along the way. And I think obviously I learned a lot of that from him. Um, but I think what people don't realize for our industry is I was traveling to a lot of these conferences and going to these business seminars and then after the conference was the guy that's like asking questions hey can I we go grab dinner can we grab a drink can I pick your brain and like obviously I learned stuff during the conferences but where I built these relationships with these business coaches was you know taking them out to dinner taking them out to drinks picking their brain and yep. just building a relationship with them essentially now that he was my business coach yes but now he's one of my really good friends and, and yeah. same with these other coaches I had and stuff and I think it was just the ability to you know, put in the work to get a lot of FaceTime with them and, and, and be able to spend time with them and stuff, but then just be able to, you know, kind of take what I saw from my dad at an early age and uh, be authentic and, and build these relationships and connections. And um, I mean, I would say a majority of 
my success in the gym world, but also just now being able to speak and travel and all stuff is all based off people I I know and have put me in. I, obviously, you once you're in that situation, you have to put in the work and, and, and be prepared yeah. and perform. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was put in those situations because of, of people that have looked out for me and helped me out and, and the connections I've been able to build, for sure. So people, awesome. you know what we call... You know what we call people? Squad goals. Squad goals. So it's this idea, you know, and there's a book coming out. Guess what it's called? Squad goals. Love the process. Oh, okay. So, uh, squad chapter. goals would be a cool there's title, a, too, though. There's a, it, is, it would be. There's a chapter in it. As a matter of fact, you know, to your point, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and the next book he wrote was The Eighth Habit because he realized he needed a book on people. So a squad, a book called book on squad goals is is a great book, and you just described it. I think your dad's message of people, I say at LTP, we don't need more money, we need more people. Like I say in all our businesses, we don't need more money, we need more people. We need more of the right people with the right skill sets to do the things that we need done. Um, you know, because it does. I mean, you can have. The processes need to, you know, we call them the process. The processes need to lead you to the right people. So, and then what you described is preparation, putting in the work and showing up and getting it done. And um, So how does it, a typical trainer, gain customers? I mean, you open your doors. I mean, there's people, I think everybody, I got to lose a few LBs, okay? And I was down under 200. And then I had this life insurance application that I was doing, and I'm like, oh, I gotta lose like 10 before I go do my medical, and I think I've gained five. So like, anybody out there who struggles with like staying where you wanna be, I feel your pain. I do cardio, but I think I do it for, from a mental health standpoint. For sure, yeah. And then I eat the wrong crap. And so, like what, like first of all, how do you get clients and then if people are just listening and going, man, where do I start to improve my health, my wellness, my vitality? Where do they start? Yeah, good, great questions. Um, as far as where we get clients, uh, you know, that's changed over time. Obviously, our industry is a big referral-based industry, so that, that helps for sure. But we're heavily into SEO, social media marketing, um, you know, Facebook ads, all that kind of stuff. I think the one thing that is unique to us is our – I feel like our message is probably the exact – opposite of most gyms um our clientele is very different than the typical like even like crossfit orange theory stuff like that um our clientele is mostly the 35 to 75 clientele and we have clients as, as you know in their 80s um mm. and our whole thing is being able to customize the program to the client so the stuff that we try to market on is people that have maybe been to other gyms before or tried it on their own and just haven't been successful and need more of a coach and need more of somebody that can individualize the process to them. Um, and then from a business perspective, that helps us as well because then obviously we're able, not like we charge crazy prices, but we're able to charge a little bit more for that than your typical you know, box gym. And then for our businesses to be successful, we only need around 200 members at each location to be doing really well as far as what we want to do profit-wise. And so if we can just really fine grain and individualize that, that program to those 200 people and find those people that, you know, are maybe 35 plus, a little bit older, but willing to pay a little bit extra for something that they know they're going to see better results with because somebody's taking the time to like teach them nutrition, teach them mobility, how to stretch, how to do all this other kind of stuff. That's just outside of just going into the gym and, mm. and punishing yourself. Right. And I think yeah. that's also what a lot of mainstream gyms market is like hey come in here we're gonna kick your butt you're gonna be thrown up by the end like that's the exact opposite of we do like we just want we want people to move better feel better um enjoy being part of a community 
And then also just be able to learn skill sets that not just us doing everything for you, but you learning about like, okay, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. You know, how do I get see individual results? And so I think that goes to what you asked the second question with how do people just get started? Um, and I think, I think, I mean, I'm biased to this, obviously I think finding a coach is a big, a big thing, finding somebody, whether it's even a gym, not even a gym, it could just be a workout buddy, it could be somebody to yeah. keep accountability. Most people mm-hmm. need accountability. Yep. The thing that works well for us is we have appointments. People have to create an appointment. They have to schedule it. They're more likely to show up. But even if you don't have the means to be able to do that and join a gym like that, honestly, just finding somebody that's going to help hold you accountable that whether you guys do it before work, after work, just a buddy that's like, okay, these Block it out in your schedule. These yep. three days a week, we're gonna go, and even if it's not anything crazy, even if it's like, hey, we're going for a walk, or just just get the process started. But then once you get it started, try to create some type of accountability and, and consistency. Nobody's gonna be 100% consistent, but if you have somebody that's holding you accountable, um, you're a lot more likely to be consistent with it and to see good results and just just yeah. get started. Well, and you know, the, this year it's fun that you're the first episode because this year we're gonna have a focus on service professional providers, service professional providers because I, I agree with you a thousand percent I think everybody needs a coach everybody needs accountability everybody needs to be of service mm-hmm. and you've described all those things already you talk about how somebody showed me the way so I give back I pay it forward I try to help help guys coming up people coming into the industry help them be successful and teach them what I learned because I was so lucky to have it for me and then also though in this you know service professional like if you're good and you said it, I go deep and get good at what I do. You know when somebody comes to you, how to help them. You're not guessing, right? When yeah. somebody comes to you who's 30, you know, your wheelhouse, your niche, and you probably have some young guys and you have some really old guys, but your your target market, you know who they are, and they come to you, and then and you serve them and you help them, and you provide them with accountability, and you mentioned the word community. Mm-hmm. Like success is not, the thing that is, um, you know, this season especially, People are looking for wins. They're looking to be successful. They want to do more, like you said, have a purpose, connect their purpose with what they do for work and their occupation, the resignation nation. People are, are quitting jobs at a higher rate, they're, they're, but yet they're feeling a, across the board more anxious, more depressed, more worried as a whole. But those who find the niche and do what you're doing, it's not complicated. Like that's what's crazy. Yeah. It's not complicated, but we're so distracted with all these inputs. Adrian's doing a little social media fast, right? Mm-hmm. Less inputs, less less looking at all these things. I mean, I think too, like the accountability though, I think is really important. I go to a workout class in the park on Thursdays. Today? But she, I went today. But she sends me, she sends us a text, a group text on Wednesdays every time. We'll be there tomorrow and we have to commit to the whole group. Yeah, <laughs> then yeah, we say awesome, yes right? and then we yeah. don't show up. Hmm. Then the whole group is expecting you and then you're not there. Hmm. That which is awesome. That's, yeah. yeah, it makes that's a exactly huge what people need. Yeah. That's why yeah. I go. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said I would. Yeah, everybody needs a coach. And and when you can partner, I like people talk so we have a we talk a concept called fourteen forty. Every Monday I wear shirts says fourteen forty. Who go what's fourteen forty? It's how many minutes there are in a day. We all get the same. And so like when you, one of the things, my whole life spending time, like optimizing time, like optimizing energy. And so when you can have somebody who can coach you, not just on moving better, your health, your wellness, but you can have somebody who can coach you and keep you accountable to show up when you, when you say you're gonna show up and that you create that community with, who cares about you 
fully because that's what I kept with Dan, 100%. Like he wants you to win in your life, right? And I assume that everybody that comes to your gym gets not just a lift in their fitness, but they get a lift in everything that matters. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's cool about what we yeah. do is, yeah, yes, we're helping people get better shape and stuff, but there's a lot more than that. We're trying to help people become better versions of themselves, gain more confidence, which yeah. spirals into every part of your life. And just that's what's cool is the stuff that we hear from people, like not just, hey, I lost 10 pounds, but like all the little stuff, you know, hey, I can play with my kids now. I can, my wife's more, like we've had people say, my wife's more attractive to me now that, you know, it's like <laughs> little stuff like that, but it's cool to hear. Like, okay, we're affecting stuff outside of just the, hey, I lost 10 pounds type of thing, you know, give people become better versions of themselves. That's awesome. They also do, okay, they also do golf. A lot of golf training, right? You guys do? Yeah, I was going to say, hey, hey, you're driving a little farther. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. do, man. Well, yeah, we're lucky. Uh, we got into golf fitness before it was even really much of a thing. Uh, Adrian was talking about earlier, she hit it on the uh, nail on the head that, like, golfers didn't work out at all until really Tiger. And then now we're lucky that every tour guy works out. A lot of people recognize that golf can be, you know, that mm. doing fitness for golf can be a big thing as well. Um, but honestly, the golf fitness stuff, yes, it improves your golf game. Um, and it's about 25% of our programming is probably focused on that. But the other 75% is also what we're working on with everybody else, just moving better, feeling better, mm. like losing weight, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we got involved with Titleist and TPI about eight years ago. I think we're one of the first people in the area to start doing it. And now I've been able to uh, really build a niche with working with golfers. We do a lot of stuff, obviously, up at Inglewood. Um, and then our location in Issaquah, we share the space with the um, Pacific Northwest Golf Academy. Um, and they do a lot of golf instruction out of there, too. So mm -hmm. we can marry the side of swing instruction with the fitness stuff. Because a lot of times, really good swing coaches realize that you can only do what your body allows you to do in the swing. So there's certain stuff you can keep trying to teach people, but if their body can't move a certain way, they just physically can't do it. So they realize that, okay, if I can get these guys into the gym and gain more range of motion, gain more mobility, I can then do a lot more with them in their swing. And so we kind of marry the idea of the swing going with the body work and, and the fitness side of things too. And so it's just kind of a little side niche of, of what we do. But I've played golf my whole life, so I love working with golfers and the thing I love about golfers too is that they'll do anything to get better and they'll listen to you and they're, they will, <laughs> instead of buying that new $500 driver, maybe they'll get a gym membership instead. But, yeah. uh, they, I love working with golfers cause they see results quick and they're very, um, devoted and they'll do what they need to do and they put in the work and they see results and it's fun to see. Yeah. That, what percentage do you think play golf? Um, I was telling Adrian, I think about 25 to 30% of our members overall between the two locations are, are golfers. So it's definitely not our, you know, and all be all membership, but we we've been lucky enough to work with a lot of uh, a lot of golfers now, and um, we actually have a pretty good contingent of uh, women golfers from Inglewood coming in now, which is cool too. We had one or two of them do it, and they loved it. And now they got their whole little crew of like eight or ten of them that come in, and they're like some of my some of my favorite people to come playing. and see at the gym when I see them every day because they're just well, they want to work hard. They come in there, they have fun, they laugh, and That's it's great. Awesome. Adrian's about ready to start playing golf again. Yeah. She go. took about it. Took a 12 year hiatus yeah. to have kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Four kids. <laughs> Being away for four hours is not the easiest no, thing. No. Yeah. 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 My wife has yet to get into golf because we've got three kids too. And she's like, well, they're a little older. I'll get back. I'll get into it. But yeah, it's awesome. Totally get it. Yeah. So, in terms of, so, I mean, when you, what was the first thing that you, I mean, you, you learned? I mean, obviously you got to get clients. So, it sounds like marketing. Yep. When you go out and train people, that, you know they've got a passion, they've got a skill set, they've got something that they know they can do. They don't feel like they're doing it, and they want to go start something. I mean, it, obviously, your lane is physical training, but it, it's in fitness. But it's 
translatable to anything. For sure. Like, where do you tell people to start? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great In question. In a dead-end job. Yeah, yeah. Not, I think, yeah, I think yeah. What I, what I, when I'm speaking at these conferences and I'm talking to people and stuff, um, I think, honestly, the biggest thing is, like, people in the, especially in the fitness industry, um, you know, they suck at charging what they're worth. They don't want to look, they don't, they feel bad for making money, you know, because they're an industry to help people, which we all got in this industry to help people. But what I talk a lot about these conferences, like it's okay to have financial goals. It's okay to want to make money in this industry. And I think the biggest thing for me and my gyms, and this is what I try to preach to people that um, Mm. is one of the benefits of of taking the risk and opening up your own spaces. Then you can use these gyms and businesses, whatever your business is for, um, a vehicle for not only financial freedom, but for personal freedom. That's the biggest thing for me. I'm very fortunate that my business coaches kind of had it set up from day one where I didn't have to be the main product of the business. I wasn't the one doing all the training. I was kind of behind the scenes operating stuff. And so now I'm at a, I'm very fortunate where I can, you know, take off early, go play golf. I can go to my kids games. I can take a bunch of vacations with my family and stuff. And so, uh, I think realizing that there is the opportunity to, you know, have these vehicles to create more personal freedom and not have to be stuck in something that A, you don't enjoy, but B, that has all these constraints on your life that you can't go do the stuff that you want to enjoy and what's important to you. Hmm. And for me, that's family and, and being able to just spend time with them and, and be part of their, all my kids' sports and traveling and all that stuff. So so, so let me make sure I know what they're going to get when they reach out to you, Dan. They're going to know their worth. They're going to do good while doing good. They're, they're going to be able to help others and they're going to get personal freedom. You're gonna, those four things. I right? need you I mean, to be my personal marketer. That's <laughs> better than I could describe it. I love it. Yeah, okay, I love that's it. what I heard. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah sure. that, that's awesome because I, I think though that the reason why I codify it that way is because I talk to people all the time that are in different spots in their life and seasons, um, whether they're in companies or they're individuals. I mean, all the time, I'm talking to people. You know, it's just great. I enjoy it. I get energy from it. Um, but the common themes are exactly what you just described. That they, there's, a, there's a dissonance between what they're actually worth and what they, they that some sort of underlying subconscious blueprint thermostat brings them down to. Whether it's something they saw when they are growing up, whether it's something that they're seeing in comparison on social media, or something, I could never be that good, I could never, it's like this, it's like this idea of I could never get there. Number two though is this idea of like, well, if I do good, then I'm not, you know, if I do good, then somebody does worse, right? Like, no, it's not, that's not the game. You can do good while doing good. You know, that was the second thing I heard you say. And then again, the ability to help others. Like, people will often say, I'll have some sort of a way to go serve or help or go or whatever. And I don't have any time. I don't have time. I'd love to, but I don't have time, right? I just got a text. And, and so often... I just read this quote. I think it's uh, I think it was Mark Twain. He said most people die. He he said most men die at 27. We just wait till 72 to bury him. Most people die at 27. We just wait till they're 72 to bury him. And I go, man, that's an interesting thought, right? Because you do see so many in their 20s still sending it right now, mm-hmm. like just still able that are still going and doing and serving. And being a part of what they want to be a part of. And then they don't have the coaching to align the vehicle to run an economic engine here in a capitalistic country, the United States of America, where you need to hit the cash register. Mm-hmm. It needs to go ding. Right? I was just on a drive just a second ago and 
Eric's got his phone up and opera up goes ching and it's like okay there's a little money coming in right I mean <laughs> you know like it has to ring the bell and and but but we weren't so many weren't there necessarily when the world was created Adrian's grandfather was uh, in lumber for many 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 years small lumber company sent nine grandkids to college with no debt gave him that gift of education because he had such a degree of belief in education but like the level of commitment and obsession that's the thing I think you gotta highlight we've got to highlight the obsession to be able to get these things done it takes the chip yeah that's what I mean that's how you got there so many people don't have the chip because they're in, they're just stuck they're stuck so yeah. what do you say to the person who like didn't get fired right who's just feels stuck how do they get from how do they get unstuck and then on a Dan Kleckner plan plan of personal freedom and all the other things. Trajectory in the right direction. How do they yeah, yeah. I think, um, well, I think the way you put it with the chip is perfect. So whether it's finding that chip or figuring out what that chip is or maybe creating your own chip. Like, Create I mean, look the at, chip. Look That's at, the look next at, uh, iteration. At, I mean, look at Tom Brady, dude. He's the oh. master of creating a chip for everything. That's why he's the GOAT, you know. But, but do you know on Tom Brady, real quick. But, but he obviously was a six-round pick, but, so he had a chip. But, 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 but right, he was a six-round pick. But do you also know that, like, do you, do you talk about your plumber? What's his name? Thomas Plummer? Thomas Plummer, yeah. Okay, so Tom Brady, the equipment manager. The equipment manager sat with him when he was at Michigan, probably going to get the job in his fourth year. Didn't think he was going to get started. Then he's a senior. He's probably going to get the job. He sits down with him in the equipment room, and he says, Tommy, which one of these Big Ten championship rings do you think is my favorite? Tom's like, I don't know. He goes, the next one. The next one. And so Tom had a guy in the dark that nobody really knows of and nobody's probably ever heard of who planted an idea on him, right? So like the United States of America is an idea. Just do it as an idea. Love the process is an idea, right? There's, it, it, there's something powerful about planting an idea. And so like you say, creating a chip, Oprah, you're not good for television. Guess what? She's got her own network, okay? <laughs> yeah. The Oprah Winfrey yeah. Network, right? Like you sometimes, I, I agree. I actually tell guys, go look for it. Just go, just go find it. And sometimes it's going to be like the call that I was on right before we got on this podcast where it's going to be messy. But man, in the messiness, there's hope. Mm -hmm. There's hope in the messiness. And so often people see the messiness as failure when it's actually a pathway to success. Right? So I love that. Go yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. If so you just, don't have it, go find it. Yeah. So to, to wrap that up, yeah, go find it if you don't have it. Find it, and then I think as far as just being able to get to the personal freedom and, and that kind of stuff is, um, you know, don't be afraid to seek out mentors, reach out to people in your industry, reach out to people that can help. I think a lot of people see these guys that are super successful and are just afraid to even talk to them. But dealing with a lot of those people in my mm. life, they want to help. They want to help you. They want to help. They want to give back. They want to be able mm. to help people. So seek out mentors. Um, don't be afraid to talk to them. Ask them for help. Um, create that chip like we talked about. And then I think the, the easiest way to phrase it and think about it is um, as far as getting out of the situation of where you're stuck is just asking yourself, okay, what happens if I do do this? But then what happens if I don't? What's going to happen if I don't do this? And I think the biggest the biggest thing that resonates with that is you're going to realize, okay, if I don't do this, what, what's, gonna, what's my life going to look like in 20 years? Am I still going to be sitting here wondering, like, why did I never 
start that business? Why did I never make that jump? Why did I never make that decision? So I think if you look at it from the lens of what's what's going to happen if I don't do this, yeah, mm-hmm. then that's a way to, to, to kind of spark that change. So, okay, yeah, do I really want to sit here in 10 years and just be in the same spot I'm in you know, now, not have any change or growth? Right. Regret minimization framework, I think, is how Jeff Bezos codified that idea. And, and I think it's really good. And, and because the fact of the matter is, Time is continuing to tick. You know, it's just continuing. We look at the screen and it continues to tick. Time is never going this way. It's always going this way. And and, t- and what, you can always go back to that job. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. You can always go back to the thing that you were doing if you miss. Yeah. But if you don't take the shot, you never knew. You'll never know. Yeah. Right? Is that, and that's, I, I, I love that idea too. Um one other question I had is on the kids. They working out? They fit? What do you do with kids? We got four kids. <laughs> it's, it's funny, dude. Like I have to. You, obviously, number one thing is kids. You have to make it fun. And I've uh, my I, my kids obviously know that I own the gym. They know they know what daddy does and stuff. But I leave it up to them if they want to. Great. I'm gonna teach them how to do. It. I'm not gonna force it on them. Yeah. Uh, but my oldest is now to the point now where he's like, Dad, I want to get faster and better at sports like can you help me with that yeah i'll go anytime you want let's go and so i have to let them come up with the idea and let them want to do it first of all Um, but now they're at that point then yeah i'll I'll take him to the gym how old is he Uh, he's eight yeah he's just just kind of now getting into the realm of sports and wanting to get competitive and stuff and so we've gone to the gym a few times and work out and and uh it's fun, but it's also got to be something that they want to do. You know, I'm, I'm never going to be that dad that's going to force them to do stuff that they don't they don't enjoy and, and they don't want to do. So, what sports are they playing? Uh, my oldest is playing flag football and soccer right now, but he's played uh, basketball and baseball too. And then my uh, five year old is uh, girl. She's playing some flag football this year too. She saw her brother doing it. She wants to play some flag football, which I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so she's doing a little flag football and. Uh, Soccer and baseball, and then my youngest is three. He's almost four. He just does whatever the other two do and just gets in the mix, and, and I love it. So he's four years younger than the oldest one, but he just wants to do whatever the other two are doing. So, <laughs> so it's great. But yeah, it is. I look. We we've worked a lot with kids, and we have kids at our gym actually as young as like ten, eleven that are doing some type of training, and I think hmm. they're always successful when it's something that they want to do. And if we have a dad come in, that's like, hey train my kid and we talk to the kid outside and they don't want nothing to do it, we, we won't train them. We don't, I'm not going to train somebody that is forced to do it from their parents that they want nothing to do with it. So it's got to be something that they want to do too, which most kids do. Once you, if you make it fun, as long as you make it fun, yeah, they're going to want to yeah. keep doing it. Um, yeah. How do you make it fun? What, I mean, what are the ways to make Games, it fun? competition, yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah. Competition, but in a fun way. Um, yeah. I think it's just mostly challenging them. Um but also, you know, letting them be themselves, letting them laugh, letting them have fun, letting them, it's okay if they want to take a break and, you know, uh, mess yeah. around a little yeah. bit and stuff and just games, I think are the best. We have, we have one, one of our coaches who worked a ton with like three to 15 year olds. He's from the East coast, but he moved down here and we hired him and, um, he's so good with kids. And I think the thing that he does the best is they're just always laughing. They're having fun. He just makes games out of everything and it doesn't have to be serious. They don't have to, they don't need to be in there deadlifting 300 pounds, but if you can get them to just create a little more core stability, have fun, work on balance, work on stuff that you can make fun and they're yeah. gonna enjoy it. So. <laughs> I love that. What position did you play in football? I was a kicker actually. Yeah, I played receiver and, and uh, other stuff in high school, but then I found out quickly that like scholarship offers and potential to do you know other stuff or more football after college too was all gonna be kicking. So. That's the NIL deal we wanna do this fall. Kickers are people too. 
There you go. Hashtag. I love it. Kickers love of it. people too. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. We got O. Henry at the U-Dub. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah. That guy's a stuff. Yeah. 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 He's never had no Henry bar. Really? I was just talking to him last month. He's like, never had one. I'm like, dude, I'm going to get you a box. Do they have them here? We got to find them. Somewhere. They got to have them somewhere. So we ate O. Henry bars just about every day in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> For, I'm sure that didn't help your five That pounds. did not help my, <laughs> my But that's awesome. Kickers are... Uh, so often during practice, I, I was working with a high school, local high school for many years, and often during practice, I'd be with our kickers and our cues. And uh, because they're both very mentally... It's a men, it's a position of of mind. I mean, yeah. it's it's amazing how... you know. And actually, out of Bothell High School, that same school, Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker's in there, yeah. Yeah, just won the yeah. Super Bowl. In his tenth season at the LA Rams, and and uh, and and really just the importance of the kicker to the whole picture. So many, I mean, seriously, kickers and long snappers and the whole like. There's so many coaches and recruiters who don't get a good kicker, mm-hmm. and you kickers are like the Navy SEALs. You you don't want to have to call on them to win a game, but man, when you want to call on them, you want them ready to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, How did you become exactly. a kicker? Uh, I played soccer my whole life and then was playing other positions in high school and then got to like my junior year and we just basically had like tryouts for it and I was yeah. good at it and was able to do it like my junior and senior and then had a little interest from college and stuff and then just figured out like this is what I'm good at and this is what, what I'm going to focus on. And, and, oh, and it's such a, there. and that's how you figured, and that's the same mindset you're doing in your business. I'm going to niche, I'm going to get good at this. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah, going to exactly. get good at this and kick kickers, man, are worth their weight and gold. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. I love it. What are you learning right now? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I'm a big self-development guy. I like to read a lot of books. Um, you know, I'm lucky in the sense I don't have a lot of like physical stuff that's relying upon me as far as like training clients stuff. So a lot of my day is just getting up and figuring out what are the big couple things I need to work on. And a lot of times, uh, I learn that from just business books and and coaches and stuff obviously too, but just focusing on, um, what's important to help moving forward. So I just read this book, um, Who Not How, that I love, which is a great book that kind of gets you away from being the person, how meaning that you're the person that's got to figure out everything. We talked a little bit about sport about being the person that has to do like your Facebook ads and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And you have to do that in the beginning process of your business. But then as you grow and evolve, starting to find people that are your who that can do that stuff for you or that you can team up with and say, okay, cool. Now I got a guy that can do my marketing. I got a guy that can do my you know, help with this part of my business. I have this guy and just yeah. finding get a, people. Get a guy to finding get a guy. Who's, yeah, finding yeah. who's not, and not being the how of having to do everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that it, for me is just leadership, uh, organization, business development, just learning. I mean, always learning. Always trying to, always trying to. Get What's your top couple books? Uh, I'm big. I love Growth Mindset by uh, Carol Dweck. Both yeah. as a parenting book, but also just having the right mindset for yep. um, for that. The Who Not Very How right book now. was great. Yeah, awesome book. You are? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Um, Who Not How is one that I really enjoy. Business-wise, uh, Jim Collins, Good to Great, I think is a good one. Because being a small business owner, you kind of have to be able to put people on the right, he calls it the right uh, seats on the bus, yeah. and just be yeah. able to find out what they're good at and their skill sets, instead of just forcing them in a position that may not maximize their um, talent stuff like that and then one thing that's really helped me um, 
I, I've like, I've always been like really organized. I think I had some like organizational issues as a kid or something. I was that kid that like would open up your Christmas presents and wouldn't play with them, but would like line them up by like size and stuff like that. You know, my oldest kid does that. And I feel so bad for him. Like, oh God, you got that for me. Now they call that kid Ace. It's like, yeah, ADD type stuff. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so for me, I start every morning with the five minute journal, which I'm a huge believer in. And it just gets me in the lens of, a figuring out what I'm gra- what I'm grateful for, which I think gets you in the right lens of being grateful and, and practicing gratitude for the day. But then also just focus on okay, what are the two or three big things? Because if I'm being realistic, I only have probably like a couple hours and a couple things each day that are like the real big things that I need to get done. I don't have to be in the office for ten hours like doing just mundane stuff. It's like these are the big two or three things. And so every morning, I I mean, I looked at the app the other day. I think I've done it like 1800 days in a row now which is good but also sad at the same point I just like I take that habit to the extreme but uh so I start every day is with that and that's how I kind of game plan my day figure out what I'm working on dude I got a stack I mean a stack of note cards that are sitting next to my my desk over there my home office desk and exactly what you just described and I mean we train it's funny because we never collect I mean we never collaborated on exactly what we train out with one mission mindset and in kind of our capstone training. Um, but we train that exact concept. We train it on paper. You can use the app, but on paper, and we actually have, you know, I've got mine. To, I got mine right here, right? One of, and I, not that long, got three things. This is one of them. Family. So this is my gratitude. Family. We found Eddie yesterday. Our cat. Our cat. Oh, dude. We got a kitty. Oh, we got a we got a kitty, we got a kitty, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we did. And it was he was given to us, and then you know we were, and we thought Eddie was gone, you know, and then and then, <laughs> and then faith, and so but and then on the backside in uh, a book called Getting Things Done, mm-hmm. James Allen, he talks about exactly what we we're talking about is the MIT we call it MIT list in preparation of the process, which is most important tasks. The most important tasks, but um, you, I mean, embody. You have no idea how much you embody based on the fact you've done it eighteen hundred days in a row. I've jogged, I don't know, thirty seven days in a row. But Derek Peterson's got one hundred and sixty six days in a row of working out, and so he was flexing out on me <laughs> yesterday. But I went one hundred and fifty days in a row at one season. It's like this, this daily discipline takes five minutes. You're talking about yeah, five minute activity. So you're like, what do I do? What do I do? takes five minutes to do what he just described. Five minutes. And my bet is you're going to increase, knowing what your worth is, you're going to increase the ability to do good while doing good. You're going to be able to increase your usefulness, and you're going to gain more freedom. Because you're going to be working on, and you, you talk about Jim Collins' work. Huge, I'm a huge advocate of Jim Collins' book. Um, but also, my book, I read when I was 11, was Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, yeah, sure. I was a very young kid when I read that book. And um, same thing, I was just impressed upon me that leaders are readers. And I, I did not, we were broke. I mean, we had nothing. So it was like, it was the route out. I saw a $100 bill when I was seven, and I asked Grandpa, where did he get that? He goes, Bob's in business. I'm like, so am I. Okay, <laughs> like, that's all the money. And then the Bob, I started asking Bob questions, just like you said. And he goes, he goes, leaders are readers. What are you reading? And I'm like, I don't know. And so I started looking for stuff, and I started reading and in, in uh, you know, in Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it talks about 
the proactivity, the, 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 the quadrant two activities, if you remember it, right? Mm-hmm. So quadrant one is the things that are urgent and important, but then there's the important but not urgent. And you actually, your whole business and whole life encompasses quadrant two for the most part, mm-hmm. which is the capacity and ability to execute on things that are important but not urgent. Because your health isn't, I mean, your health can move to quadrant one mm-hmm. if you don't attend to it, right? Relationships can move to quadrant one if you don't attend to them, right? Your money can move to quadrant one if you don't attend to it, but you're planning your day. It was literally probably just yesterday's newsletter, right? I wrote on exactly the concept you're talking about. So that's awesome. That's why Dan is the first episode, the first <laughs> guest on episode one Our of this season. season. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I've got one final question for you. All right. Unless you have something else. Good? You ready for the final question? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) I could be here all day. All right, last question. If you had one thing you want to share with our audience, what would it be? Oh, man. That's a tough last question. That's good. Uh, Find the chip or manufacture it. Get outside of your comfort zone. Mm. Don't wait. Make the move today. Jump on whatever makes you uncomfortable, but is that one thing that you know you should be doing. Um, don't live with regrets. Don't don't look back ten years and say I wish I would have done, wish I would have made that move earlier. So we might have to call this podcast the chip. Get after it. Let's go. Get after it. That's what I heard him say. I mean, it's funny, you know. You know, everybody's got different gifts. And one of the things, like you just heard me do, and you're like, oh, I used to be on my, is distill the idea into a concept that works for you. And like, and everybody can do that, and you've done that. But like, get after it. Love That's it. what I heard him tell us. Just get after exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. So fun. Thanks so much for being here. Yes, thank Appreciate you. It. How do people get at him? Did you already ask that question? How do people get at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, social. I'm on social media all the time. Instagram is just D Kleck K L E C K one two, and I have my. I just launched my website, which has a lot of consulting stuff, dankleckner.com. Just got good business. How do you spell uh, Kleckner? K-L-E-C-K-N-E-R. Just like um, it sounds. Yep. And that's got a lot of good business, videos, blog posts, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Love to communicate with you guys, however. Awesome. They can check out one of his gyms. Yeah. Yeah. If you're local. Eastside, Washington. Eastside, Washington. Sounds like they got one in Montana. If you're in Butte. If you're listening in Butte, people listen from all over the yeah. world. Yeah. I had a kid call me from Tri-Cities. And he's, he was on, uh, it was on 1440. He was asking me, I wonder if, and it's a Friday night, eighth grade. God bless this kid. And I think my phone number is still available. Maybe we took it down. If you want to call me and sell me anything, go ahead. 206-850-7592. 206-850-7592. Go ahead and get at me. But <laughs> now this kid calls me. He's like from Tri-Cities. And I'm like, wow. You listen to our podcast. Love the process. He's like, I think I might be playing too much Fortnite. You know, after listening to your thing on time and putting your time where it matters. And I'm like, you know what, Jonathan? First of all, you are going to be successful if you just stay on the track. Because you are listening to podcasts on how to get better. Like you are trying to improve your life. And that's what I heard you say too, is is working to improve your life. I highly recommend people getting it, Dan, uh, no matter where you live. But certainly if if they can uh, come see your gym and be a part of it. What a great way to get after it. Love it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for being here. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave us a review. We love all the feedback, even the negative feedback. We want to hear it because we always want to get better. And don't forget to sign up for One Mission Mindset. We have our next group launching next week. 
Two spots. Two spots left. We have two groups launching next week. There's only two spots left. One's full. Two spots. Yep. Next week. So. Let's go. Get at us if you want to join. Thank you. Bye.